Welcome to the Dallas Space Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Louder. Innovation comes in so many forms in so many different ways. We believe this entire Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex is covered with people innovating. We designed this podcast to highlight the innovative things those business leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, problem solvers, the real innovators are doing day in, day out. As always, this show is brought to you by my company, Louderco. We find companies' profits through artificial intelligence and better operations. Like when we helped a massive Fortune 500 company build out their AI strategy to create breakthrough new food and beverage categories. Or when we redesigned the operations of a $100 million services company to add $10 million in net profit to their bottom line. To learn more about us, head to our website, louderco.com. Be sure to download free guides and presentations like our Intro to Artificial Intelligence presentation, or see if your company's even ready for AI through our AI readiness assessment tool. We're about to get the show started. If you like what you hear, it would mean a lot to us if you subscribed and left us a review. And now, enjoy our guests and enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the Dallas Space Innovator Show presented by Louder Co. I'm Andrew Louder. So glad to have our special guest today, Ben Van. He's founder and CEO of Impact Ventures. Impact Ventures is a nonprofit organization and startup accelerator with a mission to eliminate the social and economic barriers of underrepresented women and minority founders launching tech or tech-enabled companies. And when you talk social innovation, I don't know if it gets um, more defined than that. And in addition to that, I met Ben through Social Venture Partners. He does a lot in the community. He's a partner of Social Venture Partners, I believe for about two years now, in which um, he began with Social Venture Partners through the Dana Jewett Residency Program, which is a rather interesting uh, model that I love to talk through here. But uh, Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Hey, definitely, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to to getting into this with you, man. Definitely. So, as you know, we like to start the show by just talking about you. So, give us a good, you know, one to two minute bio about yourself, some your accomplishments, community involvement, anything. You know, tell us, tell us a bit about yourself. Oh man, I don't know if I can do that in one or two sentences, but <laughs> oh, sorry, one or two minutes. <laughs> one two minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's a little longer. I'll give you more time. How about that? Well, um, you know, as you said, I'm the founder and CEO of Impact Ventures. Um, and since 2017, we've really been leading the charge in North Texas, um, really focusing on diverse founders as women, um, entrepreneurs of color, LGBTQ and veterans um, in this space. Um, you know, what I, I noticed earlier, in, and I come from a very non-traditional uh, background to this space of venture investments and startups. Um, uh, and so my background spans from uh, philanthropy. Uh, I started my career in finance um, and banking. And then when I moved to Texas, I um, started a career in finance with Fidelity Investments, uh, moved around in a couple of um, roles within the organization and then landed in Fidelity Charitable, uh, managing the donor advised fund. Um, so learned a lot about impact investing and managing DAFs and um, how, how folks were doing some innovating uh, finance things and, and had an opportunity to lead a fundraising efforts for a national organization, um, worked for a global finance micro lender um, uh, here in Dallas, um, and so had some experience with that. Um, and then also led a, a social enterprise called Dallas Black Professional Social Network for about three and a half years, um, 2012 to about 2015, um, that focused on retaining African-American talent in DFW. Uh, one of the problems we were we were solving was that a lot of transplants would move to Dallas and to North Texas and have a strong um, sense of, um, I guess, professional uh, trajectory in terms of the job market um, and the housing market and schools, et cetera. But there wasn't a sense of uh, connectivity and community. And so we, we kind of bridged the gap uh, between providing uh, an outlet for social and cultural enrichment, um, community empowerment which we, we held city council races. Um, we got very involved um, with the civic and political scene and, and, and having um, really empowering people to exercise their voice and their vote. Um, and um, small business empowerment was a huge component of that um, and getting access to capital. And so uh, this has really kind of been um, over 13 years, really 
um, uh, in the making of what you see today as Impact Ventures. And so, um, yeah, since 2017, we've uh, impacted over 2,800 people through events, uh, uh, 800-person hackathon. Uh, we've trained over 115 entrepreneurs. Uh, recently just completed our, our very first um, startup accelerator cohort um, in which we, we took uh, 15 founders through our startup track and our growth track. Um, and really looking to do some innovative things around uh, access to capital and, and specifically integrated capital um, here in North Texas. And so we can dive into that a little bit. So that's a little bit. Yeah. About uh, so, awesome. Yeah. No, thanks for that rundown. Uh, you, know, you do so much here in Dallas uh, and for Dallas. You know, what how long have you been a part of the community you know, what, and what brought you here? Yeah. So my uh, while I was in college, which I was actually just um, talking today on my, my morning walk is like, it's been 10 years since I graduated college. I was like, wow, 10 years. Like, you know, most people are after the 10 year, like high school reunion. Like this is like the 10 year college reunion. I'm like, wow, time is literally flying by. But uh, during my time um, at Washburn University, so I'm originally from Kansas, um, Wichita, Kansas. Um, and my family moved here in about 2008. Um, just to, to build, um, um, a, a, I guess, a bigger legacy and have more um, access to uh, financial independence um, in, in Texas versus Kansas. Uh, my dad was a longtime business owner and entrepreneur. Um, so growing up, seeing him uh, run multiple businesses was definitely inspiring um, for me and, and uh, making the move here in uh, running a trucking company. So trucking logistics is what my family business is in. Um, the, the opportunities here are, are, are just so expansive. I mean, you can literally run just in North Texas only, um, and, and do two, two, three X the, the, the business that you could in Kansas just share to the, the, the market availability, right. And the opportunity, I mean, there's more grocery stores, there's more corporations, there's, you know, there's just more supply and demand here. And so getting into that market has been extremely beneficial for, for our family. Uh, and so um, that's kind of how I, I got to uh, Texas. Originally was uh, living in Fort Worth, and so got to see the the the, the mm -hmm. difference between Dallas and Fort Worth. Uh, moving here, going back and forth every weekend was pretty exciting. But I, I had to get to Dallas. That was the place I wanted to be, uh, just because of the opportunities that were here, uh, yeah. the faster pace. Um, I love the people here. Everyone is is so passionate. I mean, Dallas is is the I think it's the sixth uh, in terms of the sixth most philanthropic um, city in the nation. And so people here are just really, really built on giving. Um, and so what we want to do, like I said, is is um, is really understand that 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 giving um, has its challenges. Right. And historically. Um, and how do we open up and create more opportunities um, uh, in, in Dallas um, where prosperity is shared, you know, with all its residents. So. Got it. No, that's a great rundown. So then, and knowing that you know you've been in Dallas here for a little while, you've gotten involved in in a, in a whole bunch of different things. You know what? Explain to us first, kind of your thoughts. You know what? When you hear social innovation, you know what does that mean to you? And then we'll have to kind of get a sense for you know what was that spark moment for you that you kind of determine? Okay, this is the path I'm going to go down. Oh wow. Well, social innovation, you know, for me is is really putting people at the core uh, of, of what you're doing and putting impact at the core. Um, I think mm -hmm. a lot of times as entrepreneurs and even as social entrepreneurs, we, we, we get so focused on the solution um, and we, we actually end up solving the wrong problem. Um, and so social innovation for me is really about how do you center people um, in this case, marginalized communities um, in a solution to where you're, you're solving uh, an, an old problem, right? Or an existing problem in new ways, right? And so that innovation involves um, uh, a cross-pollination of different sectors, right? It could be mm -hmm. public-private um, sector uh, uh, intersecting in, in different ways. It could be integrating technology into social impact, right? And so I think it's really taking the old model of what we, we, we saw as philanthropy or as charity um, and really thinking outside the box and saying, where are some intersectionalities in how we're solving this problem, right? Um, and specific to social entrepreneurs, we take a for-profit or a business model 
um, lens um, or business lens um, to addressing a social problem in a more sustainable and a more um, effective um, way, because we know that philanthropy alone is not going to solve our world's problems. Um, right. And so um, for me, it's really about applying business principles um, to solving the social uh, inequities that we see in our communities. That's awesome. And uh, can, is there a defining moment where you said, okay, I'm, I'm getting, I'm going to go full bore into this, into social innovation or, you know, or you know, being part of this community and doing amazing things. You know, what, is there a moment in time you could go back and say, okay, this wow. is what sparked me. I mean, there were, there were a couple moments, um, you know, yeah. and in college, my senior year, I had an opportunity to be selected um, uh, uh, as out of, I think a thousand students, um, nationwide to participate in uh, the CUNAPAC um, uh, game forum. So uh, it's called Game. It's uh, the Global Asset Management Exchange Forum um, mm. put on by CUNAPAC University, uh, and it was in New York. And I had an opportunity to, um, it basically brought the brightest minds of finance together um, to get exposure to students that were looking to get into the financial sector. And so at that time, that was the first time I heard of what a VC was or what, a, you know, an institutional investor was. And I had no idea that that was going to come back um, to me in, in my 30s. Um, and when I got out of college, you know, I was a, I was an athlete. And so, um, you know, all my life since literally like the second grade, you know, my life has been on a regiment schedule. You know, it's practice, it's meetings. It's weight training. It's like everything's on a, on a regiment schedule. You know, it's like yeah. you got this amount of time to eat here and then you got a study hall. Everything has been so regiment into a way where when I graduated from school, I didn't know what I wanted to do because everything was already mapped out. Right. And so uh, when I moved to Dallas, I literally sat on my couch for a full like about a year. And I was like, I have to do something. Right. Um, and for me, that kind of defining moment of what I was going to do was really centered around this principle that I believe in is like finding yourself or creating yourself in service. Right. And so for me, it was about serving others. And as I followed that passion of making a difference for other people, I naturally progressed to what it was that I felt like I should be doing in my life. Right. Um, in the book, good to great, they talk about the hedgehog concept, you know, what you do, what you, what you're really good at, what the world needs, what people pay you, pay you for, uh, et cetera. And then, and, and that, that center point, that middle point is your hedgehog concept is, is, is your passion, right. And what you should be doing in the world. And as I continue to serve with a number of organizations, um, I mean, probably more than most people do in terms of service, um, yeah. I, I picked up a lot of intangibles and a lot of skills um, and cut my teeth in a lot of areas that I feel like most folks at that age just weren't interested in and weren't doing. And so at 25, you know, 26, I was in meetings with, you know, presidents of chambers of commerce mm -hmm. and, you know, talking to banks. And, you know, I was doing all these things at a really young age and it was really training and developing me for where I am now, you know, three and a half years into full time entrepreneurship, social entrepreneurship um, to where, uh, you know, I built a lot of that trust and a lot of those relationships and a lot of accountability and a lot of that work ethic and those things that leaders need um, to, to get stuff done. Um, and for me, you know, it, it was it was really finding myself in, in those opportunities to serve that I naturally progressed to like, okay, I know I love finance, but I really don't love the number side of finance. I really do. I really love the storytelling side of finance. Like what's the impact of it. Um, and that kind of naturally progressed to this area where I want to empower other people. And then I was like, okay, well, who are those people? Okay. These are purpose driven entrepreneurs, innovators, creators. These are people that are builders of tomorrow. Right. And so, yeah. um, and finding that purpose is exactly where I am um, and, and where I feel like I should be. And also I wanted to align my efforts to what the city needed. And so looking at Dallas, you know, a, a very, uh, it's really like a big, small town, right? Uh, we're a major oh, yeah. city um, to, to, to everyone else. But when you're living in Dallas, it's a big, small town, right? And so understanding where, where are the gaps and where the city's needed, where, where are we going? And it's funny because in the first three years of our work, we were, it was almost like I was a prophet. Uh, you know how they say like the prophet isn't welcome in his own home. 
um, a lot of the things that we were talking about around like design thinking and 21st century skills and entrepreneurship and technology, like these are things that I was seeing in other markets. Um, however, in Dallas, those those conversations weren't happening, but now you see them happening. Um, and we were kind of at the forefront of that. So exciting times to be to be in Dallas yeah. and to be leading. Oh, definitely. So then I think that might be a good segue into talking about impact ventures. You know, tell us more about that. And you know, it sounds like you've you've done uh, clearly a ton with it. You've recently gone through a, a cohort. You know, explain to us about impact ventures and what what all the cool things you're doing there. Definitely. So at the core, we really look at um, the wealth gap, right? Um, and it's one of the most uh, important but least talked about challenges and issues within our economic, the state of our economy today. Um, as we see the middle class shrinking um, and as we see income shrinking and wages shrinking, um, the, the, the next um, uh, most pertinent thing to financial stability and mobility is, 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 is asset or net worth. And what we see right now um, is a huge gap that's continuing to grow despite, you know, the U.S. And we'll talk about domestic U.S. base, um, uh, the, despite, you know, the, the predictions that by the year 2050, you know, the United States is going to be at least 50 percent like um, Hispanic or, 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 or brown in some capacity, whether that be through mixed race or whether that be through uh Etc. People migrating here, um, we're going to be a diverse country, right? And even though the majority uh, is going to be minority, however, we still see the wealth gap increasing. So it's inversely related in a way that says, how do we solve that gap? Obviously, one of the big biggest things that people look at in terms of building wealth is home ownership. Like that's kind of like the first pathway is like home ownership or or land or some type of. Um, um, hard asset um, to to grow wealth, and typically it's it's home ownership. But as we recognize the the uh, inequities in policy and things that were created back during the Jim Crow era and and, and redlining and all these kind of um, institutional um, um, policies that were created, it, it kept a, a certain demographic of people out of that access to wealth, right? And the next best thing to home ownership in terms of wealth building is, is entrepreneurship and small business, right? And so even if we look at that sector, we know that less than 2% of private capital goes to women and minorities, right? And that's on the equity side. If we're talking about venture capital, if we're talking about loans, we know that uh, black and brown individuals are three times likely to be denied a loan, a business loan at a bank, right? And so you talk about growth, right? 98% of black owned businesses are sole proprietorships, meaning they have less than, you know, one or less or three or less employees. Uh, there's a huge gap right there in terms of access to capital. And what we're seeing with COVID-19 has rapidly, you know, widened that gap as well. And so the way we're looking at it is that if we can supply um, what we call underrepresented, um, I'm sorry, underestimated entrepreneurs with the tools and resources, the knowledge, the social capital and financial capital, to build and sustain a business um, of their own, they can increase the income for themselves. Um, they can create economic mobility for their families. Um, they can create um, generational, um, I'm sorry, they can hire and employ and create jobs within their local community because we know that 83% of black owned businesses hire black employees or, or other ethnic uh, demographics as well. Um, so this this small business development is a workforce issue, right? And so it is a workforce solution. Um, and and lastly, they can create generational wealth um, for their families, right? Um, they can pass down that business. They can liquidate that business and create other other means and opportunities for investment for themselves and for their families. So this is really about how do you change and transform the trajectory of 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 individuals, families, and in turn communities and you know, uh, on a macro level, a, a better and more equitable economy to where we don't see these huge uh, inequities in our economy that we see today. Yeah. So just for our own uh, listener's sake, you know, we're recording this on July 10th of 2020. And, you know, clearly so much 
has changed in the world. Uh, we've had COVID hit us. We have got the racial injustice movement with Black Lives Matter um, still, you know, moving swiftly and strongly right now. So you hit on the COVID side of things. How how else have things changed, or what have you seen change as a result of all the you know, the movement right now around Black Lives Matter? And you know, I've seen a lot of push toward you know helping you know, black owned businesses and um, investing in, in black owned businesses. But would I kind of love to hear from you, like what, what have you been seeing and hearing? So I, I think COVID-19 exposed a lot. Um, it, it, it created opportunities, but it also created opportunities for, for us to understand that our, our work as a, com- as a collective, as a community, as a government, as a society is not finished. I know the times we like to um, we, we like to um, talk about Jim Crow and, and other things in our community that, you know, from a standpoint of there were so long ago, but they really were in our parents' generation. Um, and so they weren't so long ago to where it really brought attention to the inequities that already existed. Um, and so, you know, with this COVID situation, we've seen the need and the opportunity for policy change. Um, all the different initiatives that have been started by the federal government to deploy capital, to, to get capital in the hands of, of marginalized communities, those things should have been happening already. But because of COVID-19, the reality, for example, in the last three months, there's a study that just came out, uh, 41% of black owned businesses closed their doors, like indefinitely. Uh, 36% of Hispanic businesses and 25% of women owned businesses closed their doors. Um, and so understanding that, like that's 41% of the total amount of businesses in the U.S., right? Um, that's, that's a crazy stat that, that stuck out um, and that is really, really bringing attention to different areas. And I think it's just this has created just like a groundswell of awareness and attention around the, the, the historic trauma of, of racism that's been embedded in our, in our country's origin, right? And, and the undoing of that is painful. Um, for everyone. It's exhausting for us, you know, as, as African-Americans and black people in this country. Um, but it's, it's, it's almost like the, the day of reckoning has come. And unfortunately it's come at, at the, the same time of uh, a, a health pandemic um, as well to where we have both the financial and health um, and racial uh, pandemic, social injustice going on in our community all at the same time that I believe has never, never happened before. And so, you know, for us, you know, we, we, week two, we, we had to pivot in our, our accelerator. And this was our first cohort that we were launching after all the, the, the research and development and community stakeholder and listening sessions that we did for the last three years. Uh, week two, we had to pivot. Um, we had funders that pulled out, you know, because of COVID-19. Um, they, they, they couldn't be involved in terms of employee engagement because they were trying to figure out if their employees were going to come into work or not, and if they had if they had virtual service or remote work set up for them, um, we had um, partners that were um, losing clients and they had to shift their focus on that. Um, we had um, banking partners that had to pull up when we were actually going to be ac- uh, giving capital to the startups um, and participants in the program that we couldn't no longer do. Um, we lost we lost over four hundred thousand dollars in projected revenue. Um, for for ourselves as an organization due to COVID nineteen, and you know we yeah, were still able to press through. We were still able to press through um, despite uh, these challenges, but it was extremely difficult um, to to get through. And now we're at a stage where you know we're assessing you know how COVID nineteen has impacted us internally and making necessary pivots um, to adjust to what this new what our new world looks like. Um, and, it, and it's very virtual. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's opened up some opportunities to where, you know, our startup showcase, we had 12 um, um, investors um, join us from all over the country um, to participate because we, we did it virtually. Right. We had 30 something mentors uh, and investors as well that joined us on the platform. We had over 200 um, plus people that attended and watched the session live in attendance. Um, and so it, it actually created some opportunities to kind of broaden our network and broaden our impact. Um, and, and I think these are the, the opportunities that we, we try to hold to 
um, during this COVID-19, despite all the, the, you know, just the massive challenges that it presents for, for everyone. Uh, ben, thanks for talking us through that. Man, that's, there's so much that's uh, changed in your world as a result of all this. Oh, man. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I can only imagine how resilient you guys have been in the face of all of this. Um, tell us, you know, you, you kind of hit on the cohort a bit, but talk us through the process of like, if I'm, if let's say I'm interested in being part of impact ventures, uh, from a cohort perspective, what's that process like? And I, you just went through it. You know, what's, what's, what's new there? Yeah. So in, in going through the, the, the first cohort, we, we learned a lot, um, really around like the stages of the companies and the needs, um, of the, con- the, the companies. Um, and we're talking about high growth, um, uh, tech or tech enabled, but, um, with the, with an emphasis on high growth, um, could be consumer product, um, companies as well. So our process started really as, um, a four month, um, uh, process. We started back in 2018, uh, doing our uh, Hack the Culture uh, uh, series, speaker series um, that led up to our uh, Hack DFW Hackathon. Um, and the reason behind that was we, we wanted to listen and understand what the market needed and what they were they're asking for. But then also we understood that there's a, there's a hurdle, a financial hurdle or a resource hurdle um, to where black and brown and women founders, they don't have the capital, the friends and family capital to build a prototype or to build an MVP of a product. So we leveraged using a hackathon that allow people to come and get their ideas built uh, for free um, through, through the hackathon. So they were able to come and partner with um, specialists and mentors, um, at, you know, uh, collaborate with other team members, et cetera to at least get like a prototype or something of what they were looking to do and, and to get that built. And so that was an opportunity for them to do that. We, we didn't follow up with a series of workshops to test out curriculum and kind of see what they were responding to. Cause we understood that there's an institutional knowledge gap on understanding the language uh, of startup community, whether it be on the finance side um, or whether it be on the tech side, not everyone comes from a, a, a venture capital or a private equity or investment banking background. So understanding that language, um, there's a hurdle there. And then not, not all not all folks come from a computer science or technology background where they understand product development and product management. Um, and so we, we, we knew that we had to attack both of those gaps to help educate and bring the community up to speed. Um, with that, um, you know, coming into the program, obviously you apply for the program. Um, we use a really innovative tool that was developed by Village Capital um, they've been uh, iterating this tool over the last decade, and it's called the uh, it's the the Village Capital um, Viral Tool, and Viral stands for Venture Investment Readiness Assessment Learning um, Tool, and it really is a, a benchmarking tool um, that allows startups to um, become more self aware around where they are in their startup um, in different in eight different categories um, of the business. So that's their team. Uh, the solution, the business model, the market, the product, um, the uh, the your ability to raise or the investment um, community as well. And there's so there's eight different categories that you grade yourself. And then there's viral levels that tell you these are the this is the evidence that you should have to say that you're at a certain level. And then that level also aligns with the type of capital you should be looking for. So. In our startup track, uh, which is an eight-week program, um, we typically see uh, level one to three um, startups that participate in that program, and they're really looking for friends and family capital. Um, And then in our fellowship or our growth track, we saw um, companies that are really in the level three to six. And so these are your pre-seed and seed uh, stage companies, so all pre-series A um, and they will also be looking for friends and a combination of friends and family angel, uh, whether it be individuals or angel networks um, or some some micro seed um, uh, institutional VC funds as well. And so uh, we internally grade uh, the startups um, using that tool and using their pitch deck and using their application, all the things they come to us. Uh, we then also have an external committee uh, do the same review. In the same process that we do. And so we get an outside opinion. Um, we take all that. Um, we talk about it as a team. We narrow down the focus on um, um, industry, on product, on, on what we think that we can be a value add to. 
Um, and that's kind of how we break down our, our selection process. We do a series of in-person meetings to learn a little bit more about the founder um, and maybe the team. Um, and that's kind of how our, our selection process worked. Um, what we learned from that is that uh, for our next kind of what we're looking to going forward, we really want to expand outside of just technology to more um, of your small businesses that are growth oriented. For example, it could be a company that um, uh, there's a company in Dallas that found a new way to um, to uh, to almost like refurbish um, uh, uh, vinyl records. Um, that is a technology tech enabled, you know, company that's that's scalable um, in a way. And so we want to expand out to companies that are not just looking for equity, that are also looking for um, debt capital as well. And so we were recently accepted into a Boston Impact Initiative, which is a uh, 18 month cohort. Uh, it's a national cohort bringing together uh, 26 uh, leaders from 12 different cities. Uh, with a focus on building these racial equity funds with the lens on integrated capital. And so that's kind of where we are uh, next in the program. The the startups are currently uh, meeting with different investors um, that we connect them to. Uh, they've been involved in different pitch competitions. Um, a few of them have made it um, pretty far, I think, in the Jalen Smith's MEI um, uh, pitch competition as well. Um, and so right now it's really about being their champions and being their advocates in the community and, and helping them get to the next step. I mean, they created a roadmap on what the next six, 12 and 18 months look like for their startup. And so hopefully they're, they're sticking to that plan and, and we'll see some, some measurable um, um, outcomes here in the next uh, few months. That's very cool. Now I'll bet being a cohort member is not only a huge honor, but just a huge uh, uplift, right? To, to get that kind of support guidance yeah. and, and innovative help. I mean, it's, it's invaluable. Oh yeah. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, you, you literally have five people working full time on your behalf. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we gave uh, the stars to go through the program. They get over $250,000 worth of services. Um, as I, as I mentioned, we had planned to give them capital, but you know, when our when our partners, you know, were able to weren't able to supply that due to COVID, um, you know, that hurt us and them tremendously. But the other value that they were able to get, for example, we we have a partnership with Intuit where they were able to get one year's um, subscription of Intuit QuickBooks for free. Um, if you're you know a business owner out there and you know how much uh, accounting costs, um, being able to get free accounting for a year uh, is a tremendous value add. Um, to, to any company, whether it's a tech startup or a mom and pop business. And so uh, we were able to provide opportunities like that um, and connect with mentors one on one and have strategy sessions with us. I mean, the, the, it's all invaluable um, on services that early stage founders and, and these are typically companies that that wouldn't um, they would not have been selected, you know, by your traditional mainstream um, accelerator. So you think of like uh, Y Combinator, 500 startups, and you think about, you know, maybe Capital Factory or some of the main brands out there. Um, they still have great ideas. They're great people. They're great founders. And so our mission is to make sure that there's equity within the community and where we can give them a leg up to where they can maybe qualify one day for one of those programs. Absolutely. That's really cool. So then what's next for them? Yeah. So what's next is um, after the, the Ivy Fellowship Program, um, we have something called the Ivy League. And this is our alumni program. Um, and typically, you know, as we're kind of still coming out of, well, I don't say we're I wouldn't say we're out of COVID-19 yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's still, we're, yeah, yeah, we're battling. It's, it's still very much relevant um, and, and it's day to day with our, our government and what comes down from our, our city leadership and our state leadership. Um, so we're, we're, we're continuing to watch that um, and that progress. But essentially with the Ivy League, what we want to do is be there to um, uh, continue to connect them together. That sense of community is so invaluable. Being in the cohort, um, what I found in other cohorts that I've been in is you learn the most from the people around you because they're in the weeds with you. You know, they're they're grinding it out. They're, they're in the day to day process. And and a lot of times there's a lot of peer to peer mentorship that happens. And so continue to connect them together is one thing. Um, continue to be there as a resource. So we'll host probably monthly or bi-monthly strategy sessions 
where um, they can come in and say, hey, this is a particular um, issue that I'm trying to work, work through. Uh, for some of the founders, we've been connecting them with business development opportunities. And so uh, we actually have one um, startup get his first check uh, enterprise um, uh, um, uh, software company or more of a hardware um, company. And, and uh, he was pretty excited about that. And so helping them expand into other opportunities through business development um, is key. Uh, I think a lot of times in, in this industry, we focus so much on the raise and, and so much on, on that component that we miss that we still have to run, you know, a, a profitable business, you know, that should be the goal. Um, and so um, we, we continue to, like I said, uh, connect them to uh, pitch competitions and opportunities of that such um, introductions to our investor network um, that spans across the country. Um, taking office hours meetings uh, with different funds. Uh, and so really just kind of being that connector and champion for them. Um, and hopefully, you know, with the next cohort that we we continue to have, they come back and, and mentor the next group, right? Or speak oh, yeah. to the next group and, and, and share their challenges and, and their wins, you know, with the next group. So it's really about building that community for us. Got it. No, that sounds wonderful. And, you know, I, from afar, I've kept a pulse on, you know, all the stuff you've been doing through social media. And so I'm rooting for all those companies uh, yeah. from afar. I love to keep an eye on those and I'm sure we'll, we'll keep getting updates as we progress here, but you know, let's shift gears. Let's, let's put you into our lightning round. Let's talk a little bit more about, about you. Um, first question here, what do you wish you had known when you started your career? If you could go back and tell your younger self, hey, take this path or watch out for this or you shouldn't be aware of this, what would you tell yourself? That's a great question. Um, man, there's so many places to, <laughs> to start. Yeah. Because um, I, I took a lot of risk. You know, um, I, I kind of planned the next five years of my life and I'm exactly where I thought I would be. Uh, I didn't know that it was going to be such a, a bumpy ride, but you know, the, the path, you know, the end result is still kind of there. Um, so for me, man, it's really kind of a, a combination of two that are probably related. But, um, when I started, I would say the biggest thing would be, um, not being afraid to, to, to bring my whole self to my professional career, um, uh, in, in a way that I felt like, when I was 24, 23, 20, I was too serious, man. <laughs> like, oh, really? Wow. I was too serious. And and I don't know if it's because I was so a part of, you know, when I told you earlier about, um, you know, being in leadership position at a young age, you know, that's been my whole life. Um, you know, being a, a quarterback, right, all the way through middle school and high school, like starting varsity quarterback, you know, at 5'8", right, on a varsity team. You know what I mean? Like leading all these guys, right? <laughs> um, all the way to being one of the youngest defensive coordinators uh, when I was a, a football coach back in Kansas. Um, like I've always been in these leadership positions at a, at a young age, but I think it, it, it definitely grows you a lot faster, like in terms of maturity uh, level and having to deal with high level individuals. But I think I just, I took life so serious, um, as a, as a, you know, as a young person to where I felt like I couldn't bring that, that, um, the young or that, um, the, the, you know, who, who I am as a whole person, you know, a lot of people, you know, even now, uh, when people say, Oh man, you used to play football. I didn't even know that. Or I didn't know you were a musician. Like, yeah, I play four instruments. I've been playing in, you know, I've been playing music since I was like four years old. Um, those other parts of me that are um, that come into play as you move up in business, you know, as you move higher in, in business, you realize that it's less business talk and less business focus. And it's more like who you are as a person and what your character, your values and, and what you share in common with people. Uh, I always say that business moves at the, at the speed of relationships um, and it really moves at the speed of trust. And when you're only presenting the professional, like this is what I can do from a business standpoint, when you're only presenting that side to uh, people around you, you're really selling yourself short on opportunities that could really be uh, holistically beneficial to you um, in a way that when I was younger, I just I didn't 
I didn't think that that was important. So I kind of left it to the side. And so I, I wish I could have um, been a little bit more relaxed and I guess a little bit less focused on like building my life at 20 something um, <laughs> and, and, and had a little bit more fun. Um, but, you know, I, it, I, I'm definitely um, grateful for the, the, the seriousness that I did have a young age because it's got me to where I am now even still as a, as a young person um, considered in the grand scheme of things. But um, yeah, I would say when I first started, man, I, I wish that I was a little bit um, less serious and because I, I felt like I couldn't afford to be as a young person, you know, like you can't be the young 20 something that's, that's kind of showing up joking, joking in the room of, you know, people that are in their forties and fifties, have got 25 years of experience, you know, you got to have to match their level of, you know, uh, of uh, of work ethic and, right, and yeah. seriousness and and in turn you right you like you don't get to be a twenty something person right and so uh, yeah no I understand completely uh, it's rare though generally I hear a lot about man I wish I hadn't have been such a such an idiot such a you know, <laughs> you know, as opposed to, to I wish I hadn't been maybe so mature but. Uh, <laughs> No, that's great. More of an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben, is there anything you're focused on learning about right now? Um, so, I mean, I am diving deep right now into um, integrated capital. Um, integrated capital is not a popular term um, in the traditional sense of, of um, you know, finance folks, uh, um, or, or, or would you say finance? Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> the finance community. Um, yeah. It's really kind of a, a philosophy um, that's centered around um, how do you create and, and leverage capital and use capital in a way that's not exploitative um, and, and use capital in a way, you know, the, the capital capitalism or the system itself is is built on exploitation. Right. Um from, from every sense, the way you look at it. And so it's like, how do you use money as, as medicine to help heal communities that have been um, hurt um, through, through capital, whether it be running a highway through their communities, right? Um, or whether it be redlining so they can't buy homes in certain areas. How do you reverse engineer that and use capital for good? Um, and it's been a, a great experience through this Boston Impact Initiative um, and really kind of taking this human centered approach to investing. Um, one of the, I guess, eye opening experiences was I, I went uh, with a group of um, Dallas uh, delegates. Um, these are members of different foundations and, and civic organizations in Dallas. We, we did a learning trip to um, California to participate in the shift capital um, summit, which is, um, put on by at that time, an organization called Bale, which is now called common future. Um, and it, I am, I have been to a lot of finance conference, uh, conferences and summits before. Um, and they're pretty typical, you know, they're talking about, you know, margins and, um, you know, uh, yield and stock dividends. And, you know, it's very finance centric, but I had never been to a finance conference that, sounded and felt like I was at a social justice rally. <laughs> yeah. And it was, uh, it was, it was profound for me because I, I had experience with both as a community organizer. You know, I, I, I started an initiative um, back in 2013 that that um, had that, uh, that registered 10,000 people to vote. So I was very familiar with like on the ground grassroots community organizing, working with, you know, these organizations uh, hand in hand and I had also been in the finance arena, you know, to see how that's done on the, on the highest level. And so to see the merge and the impact of the, uh, the, the, the pollination of the two was powerful for me um, in the language that was being used around just how do we leverage capital? How do we use how do we shift capital in a way that um, restores productive capacity of, of our society? And I've been digging deep into that that lately through this, this initiative, and it's really going to be defining our investment thesis and our strategy, as you guys are hear more about. Um, we, we we're actually knee deep into an initiative called the Dallas uh, Inclusive Capital Project. And so you guys will hear more about that soon. Uh, but it's really around, like, how do we aggregate this impact investing community of Dallas um, and and create 
other um, like what are the gaps in the ecosystem where capital is needed? Um, it's more than just bank financing or term loans, right? There are a number of, of other um, financial um, products that we could be leveraging that I feel like our banking system, uh, even down to our micro lenders are, are just not exploring. Uh, and so it's really a creative way to look at finance. And so, yeah, that's that's what I'm digging into right now. Uh, that's that's good to hear. Now that's that's going to be rather impactful. I think we'll we'll probably be seeing you take something on around that area here pretty soon. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so, are you a coffee drinker? And what would be your coffee of choice? I'm actually a tea drinker. I'm actually drinking tea as we speak. I just <laughs> got my last uh, bit here, but I'm a I'm a I'm a I like stash um, tea. Uh, I I tried to do the coffee thing, but when I was in corporate. And I just I couldn't get with it. But tea, I'm definitely a tea person. I need that uh that pick me up. I usually go with peppermint. Um, I do like a peppermint blend um, with a little honey um, in it. And so um, I'm a I'm a tea drinker. Never thought I would. But <laughs> <laughs> well, how about your adult drink of choice? What would that be? Who I'm a I'm a. It depends on the mood. Um, that I'm in, but I would say for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty basic. I'm, I'm a, I'm a gin and tonic guy with a, with the lime actually. Um, okay. uh, I, I like, uh, I'm pretty black and white or pretty simple when it comes to, to drink. But, uh, if I, if I'm really in a relaxing mood, I'll, I'll do old fashioned. Um, but I, I like gin despite all my, my friends and, and people around me. They're like, you like gin? Like who, who says they like gin? <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, I, I'm a gin and tonic guy. You know, my first um, drink turning 21 um, in honor of the, you know, my, it's, uh, many people don't realize this. I, I enjoy listening to rap and uh, in particular, you know, one song in my college days I really enjoy was Gin and Juice by Snoop. Oh, <laughs> and so my, my first uh, drink at 21 was a gin and juice. Nice. So yeah, I'm right, right there with you with the gin. That, that West Coast gin. And That's gin. right. That's right. So Ben, what do you look forward to the most each weekend? Each weekend, I would say um, I'm I'm a big family person. You know, um, I, I even though I moved to Texas, our we our family uh, has a very rich um, history um, in 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 Kansas and different parts of Kansas as well as Arkansas and. I, I, I look forward to spending time with my loved ones, my family, um, my uh, my girlfriend. Uh, we we every weekend is like an adventure uh, for us. And I really I really look forward to just spending time with, with with friends and family. I mean, it could it could be as simple as just people coming over and having a cookout or a game night or I'm pretty I'm pretty simple when it comes to, to that point. But I always look forward to those times where I can you know, go on walks and, and hit the trail and, and, and work out and, you know, stuff like that. So I'm, I'm pretty simple. Uh, that's good to know. So Ben, you are officially off the lightning round. Congratulations. You made it through. So Ben, you know, we're, we'll um, get wrapped up here, but how would somebody reach out to you or if they want to learn more about impact ventures, what, what should they be doing? Definitely. Um, I mean, you can definitely find us on all social media. Um, Impact Venture um, Co. is our tag for Twitter uh, and Instagram. Um, We're on LinkedIn as well um, and Facebook. Um, you can go to our website at impact-ventures.co. Um, and you can find information on how to um, learn about our upcoming programs. We're going to be launching some things um, soon, so you might want to sign up to our email list uh, so you can be the first to know about um, these exciting things. We actually um, didn't mention this, but we have a hackathon coming up. Um, we're going to be announcing this oh, next cool. week, um, but you've heard it here first. Um, there you have we it. are announcing Hack the Culture. Um, that's going to be coming up August 28th um, through, the t- through the 30th. Um, in which we are partnering with an organization called Asterix um, that hosts mm. large hackathons. Um, and so Hack the Culture is really going to be this intersection between social justice and technology. And so we've brought together a number of community organizations that are 
um, centered and focused around racial equity, social injustice, police brutality, um, uh, you name it across the, the social justice um, spectrum. Uh, and we really want to uh, look at this as this is the startup or the tech community's um, uh, opportunity to, to, uh, to, to make an impact in an arena that we might not know how we can make an impact. And so this is really about how do you design technology solutions to some of the problems that are happening uh, in our community. And so this is going to be a huge. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a, a non-technical person, we got opportunities for you to plug in. If you're a technical person, um, you can join a, a team um, and there'll be challenges created to where you can you can create solutions to that. Leading up to the event, there'll be a series of panel discussions and workshops so you can really learn about the the issues that are out there. I think a lot of times we get we get lost in nomenclature and and things on social media that we don't quite understand. And so this will be an opportunity um, on both ends for social justice people to really understand the power of technology and how they can be implementing technology into how they they uh, build and scale their their social movements and and create change. But then also for developers and people in the tech community and, and entrepreneur community to really learn about these challenges they, that they may not be exposed to. Um, and so it's a really opportunity for these two communities to come together um, and hopefully come out with some innovative projects that can be scaled and be implemented immediately after. And so we're looking to have some celebrity judges. Hopefully we can get like Chief, um, uh, Chief uh, Hall um, hopefully we can get the mayor, um, you know, we're, we're doing some outreach to get those folks on board. And so we're looking for partners, sponsors, and people that can be a, a part of this, but we'll, we'll be announcing it next week, actually. Um, awesome. so, yeah, that's a, another thing I wanted to, to mention. So, yeah, I mean, this is how you can connect. Um, you can connect with me. Um, I'm primarily active on LinkedIn. Um, but I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So definitely follow me. Get my get my Twitter follow game up. I'm 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 slacking over there. there you go. <laughs> I don't I don't yeah. know Dallas is really a Twitter market. Um, but uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter or, or on LinkedIn. Um, and then uh, I should have my website up soon at benjaminjvan.com. Um, if you're looking for consulting opportunities, um, or if you're looking for uh, speaking uh, opportunities. Um, um, you can go to my website to find that at benjaminjvan.com. Awesome. Well, Ben, thank you so much for being a guest on our show today. Uh, it's been a blast. I'm so happy to hear all the wonderful things you've been doing out there uh, with Impact Ventures. And I'm looking forward to seeing more about this uh, hack of the culture. Yeah. It's announced yeah. right here on the Dallas Space Innovators podcast. So, <laughs> thanks so much for being a part of this, Ben. Definitely. Thanks for having me and, and giving me the opportunity to share. You bet. Thank you all for listening. That's our show for today. We hope you took away something valuable. Be sure to visit Louderco at louderco.com for more. Thank you again and stay tuned for more from Dallas-based innovators.